0: This message was recorded live at the Ark Church in Conroe, Texas. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you so much. It's a privilege and a blessing to be with you again tonight. And we count, uh, Phyllis, my wife, and I, count uh, your pastor's dear friends. And we just, uh, they are a, a blessing to our life as well. And uh, you do know that you are are blessed with gifts from the Lord in them. Yes. Yes. The Bible said, "When the Lord, yes. Amen, yes. when the Lord ascended on high, He gave gifts to men—apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers—and uh, these are gifts to you from the head of the church. It's a it's a very precious thing. It's." something that's precious to him that he gives to you uh, through them. So um, we got into some things last night that I want to review just a little bit, and so let's pray a prayer of agreement uh, that you you don't just want to hear from me tonight, you want to hear from him, right? And so let's agree together for utterance, for me to speak, and ears for all of us to hear. Father, in Jesus' name, we all agree together as touching this, asking you for utterance, asking you for the anointing, asking you for direction, asking for the moving and manifesting of your Holy Spirit the working of your holy angels, asking for answers and solutions. Open our eyes and ears and hearts and minds. Help us to see things through your eyes the way they really are and the grace to make the changes. And we'll give you all the praise and glory for the good things resulting in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So be it. Would you turn, please, in the New Testament to Ephesians, the second chapter, and then I think we'll be going right over to 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter. Ephesians 2 and 2 Corinthians 10. How many were not with us last night? Let me see how much renew I need, reviewing I need to do, okay. Uh, What are you laughing about? (laughs) Of course, I can't say everything I said last (laughs) night or it'd be time to end the service and we wouldn't get into the new things. So uh, the the messages are, are available, I suppose. But Ephesians 2.8, Ephesians 2.8 says, for by grace you're saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Verse 10, for we are his workmanship, we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has before ordained that we should walk in them. God has a plan for every human being. Sadly, millions of them never find it nor fulfill it. Now That's contrary to how some people think. Some people try to leave the idea, well, everything that happens is God, and God's controlling everything, and that simply is not true. If that's true, you don't have a free will. No, God has a plan, but he won't force anything on you. You have to believe what he tells you. You have to receive it. The scripture said, seek and you'll find, right? Knock, it'll be open to you. You you have to uh, cooperate with him. But if you do, there is the plan, (laughs) his plan, And it's the best plan. Do do you believe that? Listen to the amplified translation of, of verse 10. It says, we are God's own handiwork. His workmanship recreated in Christ Jesus born anew that we may do those good works which God predestined planned beforehand for us taking paths which he prepared ahead of time that we should walk in them living the good life which he prearranged and made ready for us to live. Now I know that a lot of people are not living the good life but that's because they're on the wrong path. There is a way that seems right to man but it's the wrong path. And there's a broad way that a lot of people go and it leads to destruction but his way the right way, the path of the just is like the shining light. It gets brighter and brighter, and the more light, the more life. So how many know if, you, if you're going somewhere and you take the wrong road and you get lost? Well, you go through some towns and places you would not have gone through if you'd have stayed on the right road. And that's, what happening with, that's what's happening with people in life they're going through all manner of things they shouldn't even be going through. And many of them are blaming it on God, but the truth is, they're on the wrong road. They got off of his path or never got on it. But no, how many want to get on the path, stay on the path, and finish your race and course for him? I didn't say it wouldn't have any challenges, but if you're in the right path, there's grace to overcome every one of them. Hallelujah. And it ends up, you know, at the right place. But notice in in the first part of that 10th verse, we are God's own handiwork, his workmanship. One thing we got into last night is that God, one of the most amazing things about him, he is able to make billions and billions or trillions and trillions and bigger than that of a thing with no two alike. We're told that all the stars in the universe, we, don't, we have no idea how many there are, but no two are alike. And we're told that in the resurrection, we will differ in glory like the stars. No two of us are alike. There have never been two identical human beings. Even if there are what people call identical twins or triplets or whatever, that's very similar, not even exact, very similar bodies. Your body's not you. It's the house you live in. Amen. They're with me, friends. There are no two people alike. Now with that in mind, look in 2 Corinthians the 10th chapter, 2 Corinthians 10. He said, you are are his handiwork. You are his creation. You're actually his masterpiece. Like we said last night, you are one of one. And we're told in Revelation that we'll be signed by him. We're a one-of-one one signed masterpiece. His name in our forehead, his, his name in our being. His imprint is on us. The enemy is a degrader. He is a demeanor, a devaluer. He's always trying to run everybody down and cause you to feel like you're nothing and you're worthless and, and this and that. Lies, lies, lies. According to the Bible, we are the apple of his eye. We are, the, we are special to him. He paid, the, God paid the highest price that's ever been paid for anything in the universe, for us. The Bible said silver and gold couldn't buy us. There's not enough material wealth in the planet to buy equal the value of one human soul. There was only one thing valuable enough to redeem us, and it was the precious blood of the lamb. And that's because the life is in the blood. And the life, Jesus didn't have a natural father. The life in his blood is the life of God himself. And the next time the enemy tries to suggest to you through thoughts or feelings that you're not worth much, you just be bold to ask him, if you're not if you're so worthless, why did God pay so much for you? How many think God is dumb that he'd pay a billion dollars for a 10 cent item? Anybody believe that? Well, then God knows what he's doing. And the fact that he paid such a huge price to get us demonstrates we are valuable. Whether we understand it or not, and whether people treat each other as valuable on the earth or not, it's still true. To him, we are. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. And and then he turns around and tells us the New Testament commandment, love one another as I have loved you. Now, in telling us to do that, he's saying, value each other like I have valued you. Value each other. That's why we saw in Philippians last night. In fact, just to hold your place in 2 Corinthians, we'll take time to, to look at it again. I'll read it to you. Philippians 2, 3, you don't have to turn there. It says, let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Look not every man on his own things, but every man on the things of others. Esteem others better than yourself. That's what the scripture says. One translation says, treat others more important than yourself, like we mentioned last night, a lot of people say, "Well, I I don't feel like I'm any better than other people, but I don't feel like anybody's better than me either." Well, that's not a scripture, <laughs> and that's wrong thinking. The Bible tells you; it didn't say that they were better than you. It says you to esteem them or treat them like they're better than you, like they're more important than you. It's too quiet. How many think the New Testament is right? Should we take it seriously? Well, how can we do this? Um, Like we've already said, if God thought so much of us that he paid the highest price, we're valuable. Not just you, but everybody else he bought is valuable too. And really, from one standpoint, it shouldn't be that hard to treat people better than yourself. You know all of your faults and failures and shortcomings, You don't know all of theirs. So it really shouldn't be that hard (laughs) to treat them like they're better. It's a a choice. It's a choice. Now in 2 Corinthians, are you still there? 2 Corinthians 10. I'm reviewing a little bit. You still with me? Okay. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 12, I'm reading out of the NIV. 2 Corinthians 10, 12 and don't you listen to the how strong he says this. He says, we do not dare to classify or compare ourselves with some who commend themselves when they measure themselves by themselves and compare themselves with themselves. They are not wise. <laughs> That's a lot of themselves, isn't it? <laughs> and that is the problem. Too much of themselves. But He's talking about comparison, comparison, and we're told if you do it, you're foolish and you don't understand how things are. Now, one reason I read that text to begin with is because this is one of the big revelations that'll help you to stop comparison. In the world, there's continuous comparison and competition, Pride makes everything a competition. Got to have a winner, got to have losers, and a ranking system. Who's first, second, third, fourth, fifth, tenth, you know? Who's on the list? Who's not on the list? Why? Do you think we'll have that in heaven? Continual competition. Huh? Against each other. Do you think so? Well, if it's God to have it here, it'll still happen there. He never changes. Or is this something that's part of the fallen world, this constant competition? (laughs) Now, don't misunderstand me. I realize there's going to be competition down here. It's going to continue. But you and I should become enlightened as believers who are growing up and stop competing with each other in personal things in life and stop comparing ourselves with each other. This is how people endeavor to find out how I'm doing. How am I doing? How How do most people try to find that out? They look around at other people, right? See what they're doing and see how I'm doing relative to them. And of course, if I can beat them, then I'm the best. And I'm doing the best. And that is what he's talking about. Comparing themselves, among themselves, measuring themselves, by themselves. He said they are not wise. They are foolish. They don't understand how things are. Because as we've said, you cannot, excuse me, uh, God doesn't make two identical human beings. So you're comparing yourself to somebody who is not you. They're not like you. They don't have the same graces and calls that you do. They don't have the same calling or or the same race as you. So how can I tell how well I'm doing by comparing myself to somebody who's different from me? Can you see how foolish it is? It's foolish. And yet, it's happening everywhere. I mean, churches compete. (laughs) Right? How's a church going to decide how well I'm doing? Well, what are other churches doing? What are other churches in my town doing? Let me say something to you very bold. God doesn't reward numbers. He doesn't reward amounts. He rewards faithfulness. Y'all with me, friends? Faithfulness. And he doesn't compare us to each other. I, I saw something I had not seen before yesterday in the book of Revelation. I won't take time to go through every one of those, but you remember That the the Lord speaks to seven churches in the first several chapters of the book of Revelation. And uh, people have done all kinds of things with these writings and, and tried to make them symbolic of this and that. And I won't say they don't have any symbolism, but these were seven actual churches that existed at the time. And It's all relative to us because we're in the same church age as they. And yet, I had never seen it before, before yesterday, but as I looked over it again, I noticed he took the time to say to every one of them, I know your works. To the first church. Then the second church, he said, I know your works. Then the third one, he said, I know your works. Then the fourth one, he said, I know your works. And the fifth one, he said, I know your works. And the sixth one, he said, I know your works. And the seventh one, he said the exact same phrase, I know your works. And he did not compare them to each other one time. What do you think about that, friends? What's he comparing them with? What's he measuring themselves by? Their works, what they're doing. Not what they're doing, not in contrast to what anybody else is doing, but what they're doing with what he gave them. Oh, come on, can you see this? We need to get our eyes off of other people and run our race. Come on, can you see this? We need to stop this. Competition and comparison, because it is deception, it is illusion, it is being ignorant and being foolish. That you, the purpose of it, is wrong. To compare yourself with somebody else, what's the outcome of that? You're gonna you're gonna compare and contrast. And what's your outcome? You're going to decide you're either superior to them on something, or you're going to decide you're inferior to them. You're developing some kind of a ranking system that God doesn't do. And it's foolish because how can you compare uh, a a Corvette with a dump truck? Huh? I say, well, man, my, my Corvette's better because it's fast. Yeah, but it can't haul anything. <laughs> right? <laughs> How do you compare the two? Or would, would you say, no, I'm, you know, I know I'm better because I can do this and that, that one can't do that. You're, you're being so foolish. These are completely two different categories of things. Yeah, they they, they both got wheels. They both got an engine. But they are not at all to be compared. Now, this is what the Spirit of God is talking about in 1 Corinthians. In fact, just turn over there with me to the 12th chapter. 1 Corinthians 12. Is this okay? Hang on. 1 Corinthians 12. We call the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians the the gift of the Spirit chapter, but that's only partially true. Probably more of the chapter is devoted to the body of Christ, the 12th chapter. But that's not a conflict because the manifestations of the Spirit are manifested through the body. You You can't really talk about one without the other, if you understand it. And look down to the 11th chapter, excuse me, 12th chapter, 11th verse, 12, 11. He said, all these work that one and the self same spirit dividing to every man severally as he will. Now the word severally is a King James translation. We'd probably call it individually. And this is a key word to remember. remember we're going to see this again. He divides to every man severally, severally or individually as he will. If you go back and read the previous verses, he kept saying to one is given and to another and to another. In other words, not all the same. Not all the same. Uh, God is not socialist nor communist. Hmm? nor Republican, nor Democratic. (laughs) And what I mean by not socialist, he does not do everything the same for people. Because equal reward would be unfair. And God is fair. What do you mean? What do you mean, Brother Keith? People have this idea that heaven is going to be basically cookie-cutter alike mansions, probably a drive with white mansions with pillars in front, and they all look the same probably, just different numbers. Oh, no. No. The Bible said some people are going to rule over five cities. Some are going to rule over 10 cities. That's not the same. And I says, well, that that doesn't sound fair. You're going to question God being fair? (laughs) Equal isn't fair. I don't know if you understand that phrase or not. If somebody wouldn't even go to church, just received the Lord but never would find his plan, never would do anything he told him to do, and live their life and then went to, you know, they're saved, they go to be with the Lord. And you got somebody else from the time they're a teenager, they're willing to sacrifice anything and everything and obey Him completely. Is it fair to reward these two equally? You see what I mean by that? Equal, in that case, equal reward is not fair. It's not just. It's not right. Y'all are quiet. Have you read this book? (laughs) I'm actually quoting from what we call the parable of the talents. You remember? He gave them different amounts, not the same. And they had different results, not the same, not the same. So this idea about dividing to everybody equally and rewarding everybody equally and everybody gets a trophy (laughs) is not representing the truth. It's not representing how it really is and how it's going to be. What does God reward? Help me out. He doesn't reward size. He doesn't reward amount. He doesn't reward numbers. He rewards faithfulness. And that is fair. And that puts everybody on an equal footing. A great example of this is the offering where the widow woman gave the two mites. You remember that? And Jesus the Bible said he was watching what people put in the offering. Because yep. you know, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is that right? Now, what'd you think if uh, me or your pastors during offering time and we'd stop and say, wait, wait a minute, let me look at that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, let me look at that. <laughs> what, what are you putting in? Let me see. <laughs> oh, man, that'd be talked about. Would that be? Oh. That would be talked about. And yet, that's what Jesus is doing. He's looking, elsewise, how would he know how much she put in? He was looking at what they were putting in and some of the wealthy people were putting in a lot. And then this woman came and put in the two mites, maybe a penny or two. And he, he was so impressed by it, he spoke out publicly and called attention to it and used it as an occasion to teach. He said, This woman has given more than everybody here today. This woman outgave everybody. I'm sure the wealthy people thought, well, he don't know what I gave. Because <laughs> I know she didn't put in the check, I put in. But he's not talking about amount, is he? So obviously he's not focusing on amount. He's not focusing on size. He's looking at the heart. And the percentage shows the heart. Not the dollar amount, but the percentage. She gave 100% that day. Well, you can't give any more than that. Right? She gave 100%. And Jesus remarked about it. A lot of times people get uncomfortable if you bring up talking about offerings and, and, and sometimes people say, well, you know, the Lord didn't care about those things. Well, what about that? Did you know the first murder on the planet was over an offering? That's how serious this is. Because it shows the heart. Giving is the greatest expression of love. And wherever your heart is, that's where your treasure will be. If you if you put no treasure into it, it's not in your heart. You don't really care about it. You watch in your personal life. You can tell what matters to you by looking at your checkbook. What you put most of your funds into, what you what you focus on. But the Lord talked about she outgave everybody here today. She didn't do it dollar wise. God doesn't look at the amount. He doesn't look at the number. He's not looking at the size. He's looking at the heart. Are y'all with me? Keep reading in 1 Corinthians 12. He said, all these work that one in the self same spirit dividing to every man individually as he will. For as the body is one and has many members and all the members of that one body being many are one body. So also is Christ. Uh, Skip down to verse 14. The body is not one member, but many. If the foot will say, because I'm not the hand, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the ear shall say, because I'm not the eye, I'm not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? How foolish is it for an ear to compare itself to an eye? (laughs) That's what he's talking about, right? (laughs) If the ear says, you know, I can't see a lick, I'm in Texas. You know what that means, right? (laughs) I can't can't see a thing. And I'm I'm no pretty green color or blue color. And I I can't focus. And I'm I'm over here on the side all the time. (laughs) I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Because I can't see. Well, no, you're just foolish for comparing yourself to an eye. Hmm? You need to realize what you are and glory in being what you are. And, like Paul said, magnify my office. I'm an ear. You need to stop trying to be an eye because you will never make a good eye. You can put eye makeup on the side of your head. You can put glasses on the side (laughs) and you still won't be able to see a lick. Now, we're laughing, but you do understand people are trying to be things they're not. People are continuously comparing them with other things that are unlike them, with different graces and different anointings and different calls. And, and, and when you compare yourself to that and you go, well, I'm, I'm not doing anything in comparison to that. Well, an ear is not doing any seeing at all. And yet, they are a vital part of the body of Christ. The eye can't hear. Right? Every body, he goes through, I won't take the time, but he goes through describing how God has made different parts of the body different. Go to Romans 12. Let's look at this. He talks about it multiple places in the New Testament. He keeps using the word different, different, different. How can you seriously compare two different things? Nobody is just like you. Nobody is graced just like you, called just like you, anointed just like you. Comparing yourself to them is only going to result in you feeling inferior or superior and either way you go, you're going to be wrong. Because how can an ear be superior to an eye or vice versa? Romans 12. Romans 12, verse 1. He says, I beseech you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what's good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. For I say through the grace given to me, to every man that is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. He didn't say don't think highly of yourself. He said don't think more highly than what's real. Soberly has to do with being being realistic. Pride is not a matter of believing good things about yourself and just getting carried away with it. Pride is about believing lies about yourself. Believing beyond what is true and real and actual. And one of the greatest realities is that abilities that you have, graces that you have, you didn't give to yourself. It's the gift of God. Some graces you're born with. And one way you can tell a grace is, it's, you might say, some things come easy to you. Hmm? And you're just, you, people might say, they're just naturally good at it. Well, no, you're graced. There's a grace for you to do that. And if it's a grace, should you take all the credit? So being humble is not denying the credit you you really deserve. Uh, Being humble is being truthful and acknowledging what's God and what's you and giving him credit for things that he's doing in you and through you. The grace of God enables you. The grace of God makes you unique. The graces he's put on you and in you are individual to you. No set of graces are just alike. He graced you to be in a certain place and part of the body and to accomplish certain things. Everybody has a job whether they're doing it or not. Everybody has an ability that would make them an asset and make them benefit to the church, to the body of Christ. Everybody can do something. Hmm? I heard a testimony of a lady some years ago I thought was outstanding. She was homebound and chairbound physically and had hardly any money, just subsisting. And she got a hold of the truth about sowing and reaping. And she began to learn about how that, you know, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. And she got to desiring and wanting to give. And she thought, well, I don't have anything. And I can't leave the house. And I can't leave this chair. But she got to praying about it and and, and was willing to do it. And the Lord pointed out to her, all these publications and newspapers and magazines that her and her friends had and that there were a coupons in them. And so she made files for each family in her church and she got all those and she clipped all those coupons and made a file for each family and she's saving each family in the church. $10, $20, $30, $40, <laughs> and of course she's sewing. And so what do you think happened later on Money began to come into her Oh come on can you see this See it's a lie to think I don't have anything I can't do anything God did not make any superfluous Unnecessary Unbeneficial Members in the body of Christ Every Member if you will Now, so many members are just idle, just doing nothing, not trying. But if you'll look for it, if you'll be willing, he'll help you find your place. He'll help you begin to flow and develop in your grace. And never have you been so happy as when you find your place. Hallelujah. And you begin to be a blessing to other people. What you're doing is benefiting other people in a real way. You've never been so happy in your life it'll satisfy you more deeply than any material thing ever could. Don't say, I don't have anything to give. Don't say, I can't do anything. It's not true. It's simply not true. You are a one of a kind. Is that right? Creation of God. You and he placed, he's created you to be placed in a specific position in the body of Christ with abilities. Maybe they haven't been developed, but they're in there abilities to benefit others. Hallelujah. And the things that people think are small are not so small. I, uh, uh, some years ago, I, I went to minister to a, a, a church out of a different state from where we live. And, and when I got there, man, uh, there were about four or five people showed up at the car. And uh, they wanted to take the the Bible wanted to, had one guy to take the Bible, one guy to take the jacket, one guy to take this, and one guy to open the door, they were all there ready, you know. Sometimes we try to see how few people we can get by using, that's a mistake. Because everybody needs to be trained, and everybody needs to get, do something to benefit the kingdom to get some reward. Life will soon be over. We need to be doing something that benefits the kingdom and so uh, I I came in and I was standing by and there's this young man standing over in the corner once in a while he'd look at me and smile and and, uh, finally I I walked by and he said "Uh, have you been to the restroom yet? (laughs) I said no, not yet (laughs) he he said "Uh, I I hope you're okay with it he said that's my responsibility he said I got it nice and clean for you it's ready I said okay, good good." (laughs) is that a good thing? Didn't the Bible say, I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of the Lord than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. I'm telling you, pushing a broom, if it's the Lord's broom, it takes on eternal significance. Do you believe it? Clean teams, ground teams, children's teams, all these things are vital parts of the body of Christ. And you can't tell how well you're doing by looking at anybody else because you're not them. You're not like them. You're not graced like them. The thing to look at, let's keep reading here, is what grace he's given you. In uh, verse three, I read it again. I say through the grace given to me to every man that's among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought, but to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. In Ephesians, he talks about God has given to each one of us grace. Every one of us has been given grace. He says, verse 4 For we have many members in one body, all the members have not the same office. We don't all have the same place. We, being many, are one body in Christ, and every one members one of another. Having then gifts differing according to the grace that's given to us, whether prophecy, prophesy according to the proportion of faith. And he said, ministry, let's wait on our ministry. Teaching on teaching. He that exhorts on exhortation. He that gives, let him do it with simplicity. He that rules with diligence. He that shows mercy with cheerfulness. This covers much more than five-fold speaking gifts. He talks about a ministry of giving. He talks about a ministry of service. He talks about a ministry of exhortation. That's not preaching. That's just encouraging people. And all of it is done, look at uh, in verse uh, 6, if it's prophecy, prophesy according to the proportion or measure of faith. You shouldn't measure yourself by other people you should measure yourself by how well you're doing with what God gave you. How well you're doing with the measure, what you're doing with what he gave you. This comes back to the parable of the talents. Remember the guy that got one and did nothing with it and the Lord was displeased with him. He could have done something with it but he he dug a ground. A hole in the ground and hid it, and covered it up. He hid his talent. Didn't use it. Didn't use the opportunity. Faith is the key. I know a part of my grace is speaking, teaching and preaching. Also, part of my grace is, is music and singing, writing songs. And in the early days, uh, I didn't see it till later, but The way you do it and the way you do everything in God's things is by faith. By faith. I would believe there's more that I can get to. I didn't know what it was, but I believed I could express it. I believe there's something in a song that can express this. I don't know what it is, but I believe I can. I believe I can get it. Right now I'm preaching to you. I'm not reading word for word off of a page what to say. I have I believe in my heart that these great truths that we're talking about the spirit of God will give us utterance. Are you with me? And give you ears to hear, we'll see it. We'll get it. Now the more faith I have to speak, the greater the revelation will be. The great come look at, the greater the anointing will be. Can you see that? The less faith I have the more I pull back, the more reluctant I'll be. How many understand if I came up here tonight and I said, well, I don't know much. (laughs) I know y'all know that. And uh, ain't much to me. Y'all can see. And uh, you probably already know this, but uh, I'll try to say a few things if you want me to. Now you're laughing, but whatever your area is, are you doing that? You need to magnify your office. You need to step up to the plate like you've got something to offer, even when you don't know what it might be. (laughs) I know the first time uh, they asked me to speak at healing school, I'd only been in the ministry for about, oh, I don't know six months and I didn't come from a, a scripture, you know, background. I was into other stuff and uh, they, they asked me to speak. Brother Hagin was going to be gone and would I speak the next week? And, uh, and I said, uh, yeah, okay. You know, cause I had told him anything I can do to help, you know, I I want to help, and and then when I walked out of the door, I thought, "What did you say? What did you say? You can't preach. You can't, especially like him. I mean, last week Brother Hagin was there, and this week Keith who? <laughs> and I, I thought, man, you made a mistake. You got you got to call him and tell them you you just you answered too quick, and and so I, when I got home to our little apartment, I went to pick up the phone and and. Uh, the Lord, but before I even dialed the number, the Lord said, you better ask me first. I thought, okay, I better ask you first. <laughs> I said, so what about it, Lord? And I don't mean I'm hearing a voice, but inside me, he said, I want you to do it. I thought, wow. So we had a little closet, not, a, not really a walk-in closet, but I could cram myself. You know, the Bible said, get in your closet and pray. Right? So I'm trying everything at this point. To, to help myself out, so I crammed myself in this little closet and I prayed and I prayed and I prayed and I thought, what am I gonna do? I I don't know. I mean, I tell them everything I know in five minutes and then (laughs) if I repeat it, that's only 10 minutes. (laughs) And and these people, this is healing school, these people got serious problems, man. They they don't need a novice like me practicing on them, they need real help. I thought, Lord, 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 I'm I'm just, you know, um almost spastic about it. And so finally, after I don't know, a couple of hours of this, I got tired and kind of ran out of gas and just <laughs> kind of fell over to the side. And, and then the Lord spoke to me. <laughs> you know, sometimes we gotta run out of gas and and hush and get quiet and get still, know that he's God. And uh, he this is I don't mean I heard a voice again, but very distinctly on the inside, of me. It blesses me to this day. He said, uh, Keith, he said, uh, you're comparing yourself to Brother Hagin. Well, at that point, he'd been in the ministry for 50 years. (laughs) I've been in the ministry about five months. But now, do you understand what I'm talking about? Have you ever done anything like this? How foolish that is. We already talked about how different it is, but the Lord said to me, he said, uh, Son, he didn't start where he is. He didn't start with the revelation and anointings that he has in his life now. Nobody starts at the top and with everything. He said, do you remember the, excuse me, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, At a later time, I had the opportunity of laying hands on people. And again, same kind of thing was going on I didn't have the experience or the tangible anointing like he had. And I thought, well, what am I going to do? And uh, the Lord quickened to me, quit focusing on what he's got. That's what I gave him. Focus on what I gave you. Hmm? Quit talking about what he's got. Focus on what I gave you. And if you'll be faithful in what I've given you, I'll add to you. I'll increase you. Because I kept begging him for more anointing. More, because I I realized it's the anointing that destroys the yoke and removes the burden. Uh, Not not my effort, it's the anointing. So I knew that much. And so I kept saying, please, Lord, give me more anointing, Give, give me more anointing. And eventually he spoke to Marty, he said, faithfulness, Keith, faithfulness. And I thought, Faithfulness is good, but, but in a couple, you know, 30 minutes, I'm going to be laying hands on people. And what I could really use right now is somebody, <laughs> I didn't get the connection. And, and this happened a couple of times. And, and he said, faithfulness, Keith. And, and I said, well, I know that's important. And, and later on, I'm, I'll do a word study on it. and I'll, I'm going to get into this faithful, but what we could use right now is some more anointing. He said, Keith. Be faithful with what you have, what you have now. And if you are, I'll add to it. I'll increase it. God doesn't increase things based on us begging. He's big on stewardship. He'll give you a little bit and see if you obey him with that. And if you obey him with that, he'll give you more. If you obey him with that, he'll give you more. And if you keep obeying him, it just keeps getting bigger and bigger. But the moment you stop, it'll stop. He said, you, uh, the, the same principle was in this thing where I was in the closet. He said, you feel like you got so little. I said, uh-huh. He said, do you remember uh, the feeding of the multitudes? The little boy's lunch. What was it? A uh, couple of fish and Five loaves. He said, "Uh, "I can take a little, and do a lot with it." Man, that stuck with me until this very day. Is it true? I can take. He said, "You feel like you got so little." He said, "But don't forget, I can take a little, and do a lot with it." He said, "You stand up there, because I, because I I said, well, I feel like that's what I got: is cracker and two sardines." he said, will you stand up there like you got enough to feed everybody? Huh? And you hold up your little sardine cracker and you say, Lord, we want to thank you for this bountiful provision. And then you start to break it and share it and you trust me. You trust me to multiply it, to meet the need said, so quit looking at Brother Hagen, Quit talking about him. I gave him what he has. I'm giving you what I've given you. Be faithful in what I've given you. So I came out that, that next week and began to start and I thought, oh, Lord, you know, you got your flesh. You feel so uh, lacking. And, uh, but I want to obey him. So I did. I had everybody stand up and, uh, and we thanked the Lord for abundant provision. And I started to share what I had. And man, immediately, I began to, scriptures begin to come to my mind. Illustrations begin to come to my mind. Next thing you know, I had spoken for an hour and I could see the people spiritually, they were going, mmm, mm, that's good. I thought, these people don't know what a miracle <laughs> they have experienced today. They have no idea. This is like the, the multitude being fed. They're talking about how they got answers and there were even testimonies of healing. I thought, glory to God. But it's not us who does it. He does things by us, through us, but it's not us. He's able to take a little and do amazing things with it if we'll obey him and act on it and use it. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Go with me to uh, Matthew 25. Can you take a little more? Yes. Let me give you a little bit more. Give you another cracker <laughs> and another sardine. Uh, in Matthew 25, is what we call the parable of the talents that we've referred to already. But I want to take a moment and read it, read part of it, to see exactly how it, uh, how the Master described it. Matthew twenty-five and fourteen. He said, "The kingdom of heaven is as a man traveling into a far country, who called his own servants and delivered to them his goods. And to one he gave five talents. A talent was a weight." Of precious metal, so it's it be it's money. To another he gave two talents, and to another one. Now notice this next part. To every uh, man, according to what? Here's that word again. Several, but that's a King James word. We'd probably say individual. According to his, the person's, several or individual ability and straightway took his journey. Now again, like we said, God is not a socialist. He's not a communist. He doesn't equally distribute things to everybody. That would be unfair for him to do so. He distributes things, his things according to what he knows about your ability. Are y'all with me, friend and he doesn't expect you to produce something he didn't from something he didn't give you if he gave This individual, five, and he gave you two. He doesn't expect you to produce 10. Because he didn't give you five, he gave you two. Now he expects you to do something with it. And four is good. But he's not disappointed because you didn't get 10. Like the other guy did. It's quiet. (laughs) Let's read the rest of the parable and then back up. He he gave it to them according to their individual ability. How would he know? Because he made us. He knows the end from the beginning. He knows what you can handle and what you can't. He knows your capacity. He knows. And according to that, he gives to you. And uh, he that had received the five talents went and traded the same and made other five talents. So he doubled what God gave him. Likewise, he that had received two, he gained other two. So he doubled what God gave him. He that had received one went and digged it in the earth and hid his Lord's money. So what would have the Lord been pleased with him if he'd have done the right thing, if he'd have wound up with two? He'd have done the same thing the guy did who wound up with 10. He would have doubled what God gave him. You think the Lord would have been pleased with that? Well, you know he would have been. And, you know, looking at what he said to the guy that had two. After a long time, the Lord of those servants came and reckoned with them. And he that had received five talents came and brought other five talents. He said, Lord, you delivered to me five talents. Behold, I've gained beside them five more talents. The Lord expects us to produce something. He gives us opportunity. He gives us grace. He gives us seed. He expects us to be go-getters, to get up, and go after it. Give him something to work with. Hmm? And produce something. Get results. Multiply it. He does, he's not pleased when we sit around and do nothing and don't even try. He's not pleased with that. Because you may fool some people, but you can't fool him. He knows what you can do. He knows your capabilities. He knows your abilities. He made you. He wants to see you step out by faith. He wants to see you reach out. And uh, he said to him, his Lord said, well done, you good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. I tell you, I was reading this a while back and I got happy. (laughs) Because he said, You've been faithful over a few things. I'm going to make you ruler over many. He didn't say you've been faithful over everything. A few things. That didn't make you happy? You don't have to get everything perfect. Faithful over a few things will qualify you to wind up ruler over many things. Somebody say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. He that had received the two talents came and said, Lord... You delivered to me two talents. Behold, I've gained two other talents beside them. And he said, now if you'll notice, he told him the exact words that he told the guy that has 10, the exact thing. He said, well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things enter thou into the joy of thy Lord. Did you hear what he keeps emphasizing? Good and what? Faithful servant. You have been what? Faithful. He's not emphasizing the amount. It wouldn't be fair for him to say, well, you know, four is okay, but it ain't ten like Bob did. You need to come up to where Bob is. That wouldn't be fair because the Lord didn't give him five to start with. Can you see this, friends? Yes. So if he doubled his two, he's doing just as well as the guy that doubled his five. Yes. Right? Because yes. he doubled what God gave him. This is reality in God. This is how he thinks. This is how he sees things. So how foolish would it be for the guy that now has four to feel like a failure because he's six less than his brother well I'm not doing anything because I only got four and look at him Bob's got ten man he's over twice he's doing twice over what I'm doing no he is not you're doing just as well as he is oh somebody didn't hear that you're doing just as well as he is and if the guy that had one, if he'd have doubled his and made it two, he'd have been doing just as well as the guy that had 10. Yeah. True or not? Because God only gave him one. And why did the Lord give this guy five and this guy two and this guy one? It's pretty easy why he gave the, to see why he gave the guy one just one. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? Why would you give him five? He didn't do anything with the one he had. Oh, wow. <laughs> he, he gave them different amounts according to his knowledge of their individual ability. Why? Because he's the one that gave them the grace to deal with it. He's the one that created their capacity for their faith and their individual anointings. It is so foolish to look at other people and measure ourselves among ourselves because you don't know what God gave them. Right? They may be 10 times bigger than you and doing much more poorly than you. You don't know. So how could that be? Because You've tripled jurors and there are only 30% more on theirs for what he gave them. And the big key is you don't know. You don't know. That's one of the big reasons we're commanded not to judge because we don't know people's hearts. We don't know what they know and what they don't know. We don't know their degree of revelation. We don't know how many talents the Lord gave them in grace and anointing. We don't know that. So we don't know how well they're doing with what they have. And besides that, it's a full-time job taking care of yourself. Is that right? Working on your talents. Because if you're eyeballing what somebody else is doing with their talents, you're not working on yours. Right? That's what the Bible calls being a busybody. Busybody. Busy, attending to everybody else's business and neglecting your business. Foolish, foolish, because life is short. Life is short. I don't know how well you're doing. You don't know how well I'm doing. You can't tell that by comparison or competition or by measuring external metrics. Because God doesn't measure that way; He's looking for faithfulness. Somebody say faithfulness, faithfulness. Oh, say it again, faithfulness, 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 faithfulness. 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 Go with me to to First Corinthians. Just a couple of more scriptures, and I think we can we can wind it up. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Let me, uh, let's me. let see. You're going to 1 Corinthians 4. And while you're going there, I want to read another translation in this that we just got through reading. You're going to 1 Corinthians 4. Uh, the Weymouth says, he gave to each one according to his individual capacity. The Darby says he gave to each one according to his particular ability. He divided it in proportion to their abilities. The new century says he gave each one as much as he could handle. And after walking with the Lord for a few years, I can can begin to see this. There's been a number of things that Phyllis and I were believing the Lord Lord for, ministry, ministry, personally. And sometimes years would go by and you're thinking, man, when are we going to get to that? When are we going to get to that? When are we going to get to that? And when it began to happen, you thought, whoa, am I ready for this? <laughs> so see, you were thinking you're waiting on the Lord and the truth is he's given you all you can handle. You just don't realize it. You don't realize it. And as soon, I I can testify this in my personal life and in the ministry, as soon, I mean just as soon as we were able to handle more, he gave it to us. There it was, just as soon. And then when we began to get into it, we thought, oh, this is why we didn't get this five years ago. (laughs) Right? There was more to it than what we thought. There was more required. Again and again and again and again. We're not waiting on the Lord. Many times uh, people have him waiting on them because of being slow and being sluggish and being idle and procrastinating and on and on and on, making it take a whole lot longer than it should. But as soon as you're able to handle it, here it'll come. Here it'll come. Do you believe that about the Lord? He is so gracious. He's so faithful. In uh, 1 Corinthians 4, the Lord doesn't reward amount, size, numbers. And in our age of media, he's, there's going to be no rewards for how many likes you have. <laughs> <laughs> Not a one. No rewards for how popular you are. Or for how many views, your thing? God, zero reward for that. What there is reward for is that word. Did you hear that word? Faithfulness. 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 Listen to this in 1 Corinthians four one. He said, "Let a man account of us as the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God." Without going into more detail, there are other scriptures in the New Testament that talk about this. We have a holy, we've been entrusted with a holy responsibility, with the knowledge of the gospel, with the graces of the Lord, with the spirit in our lives. This is a, a holy trusteeship. Many disrespected and disregarded. They think we're fools for coming to church on a Wednesday night when you can be doing something else. and uh, they, they don't understand, but you're to be commended because you obviously see some value in God and his things and his word and his spirit. Well, everything you receive of that, you are now a steward of it. And stewardship, it's not yours. You didn't create it. You didn't give it to yourself. Now what are we to do? We're to do with it what he tells us to do with it. Share it with others. Use it to help others. Use it in our faith and our prayer for others. Right? Use it. You are a steward of the revelations of God. You are a steward of the graces and anointings that he put in your life. You can be a good steward or a bad steward and we'll be rewarded according to how faithful we are with what we've been given. Keep reading. Verse two, moreover, it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. Faithfulness, and this is a big subject, but I'll just touch on it a little bit. Many have not understood what faithfulness is. I know I I didn't see it very clearly for for some time and, and beginning to see it better now. Working hard, doing the best you know how to do, is not faithfulness, it's diligence. Is everybody listening? I've seen people get annoyed because, you know, somebody in the church told them, the leadership, whoever told them to do a certain thing and, and they had a better idea. But they were willing to get up early and, and work late and spend their own money on it. And, and then leadership said, well, why, why didn't you do what I told you? Well, this is, I was willing to put everything in. It. That's being unfaithful even though you worked so hard and sacrificed. Is anybody listening? The Lord's not looking for people to break records working hard. You know what he's looking for? Faithful people. What's faithful? Listen to the Living Bible on this. The Living Bible, verse two says, now the most important thing about a servant is that he does just what his master tells him to do. That is faithfulness. Being able to follow instructions to the letter. Don't add to it. Don't take from it. Don't change it because he's smarter than you are. When you're always coming up with a better idea, that's rebellion. The devil had a better idea. Are y'all with me, friends? Dangerous subtle. People, people get mad because they're willing to work hard and they're willing to give but a lot of times won't listen to instructions. Don't realize they're unfaithful people even though they're working so hard. Are y'all okay? What do you get rewarded for? How hard you worked? No. How many hours you put in? How big a check you wrote? No. That's all relative to what you have. What's the Lord going to reward? He's going to say, you worked harder than anybody else. No, no. You put in more hours. No. Your amount was bigger. No, your numbers were bigger. No, 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 no. He's going to say, you were faithful in a few things to do just what I told you to do. And that faith pleases him. So then he's going to say, now be ruler over many things. Yeah. Woo. Why? Because you did what I told you to do with that $5. Then you did what I told you to do with that 500 Then you did what I told you to do with that 500000 Then you did what I told you to do with this other and this other. Now I know you'll do what I tell you to do with my five cities. I'm quoting scripture. But if you won't listen to him with $5, he's not going to give you the 5000 It's not going to come from him. I mean, you might steal it or do something else, but it won't come his way from him. The biggest thing, the, the, some of the biggest problems on the planet is people won't listen. Stubborn, hard-headed, rebellious. It's because that's the nature of the devil himself and he is the current God of this world. 2 Corinthians 4.4 4 says, and Ephesians says the spirit of disobedience is permeating this planet. It's the very environment. I that shouldn't be hard to believe. You just watch and listen to almost any of the media, what do you hear? Defiance, stubbornness, disobedience, rebellion. The earth is full of it, and I'm telling you, the Lord is fed up with it. Beings he has created from angels to men to fallen spirits, evil spirits. We don't even know how much. Being after being and generation after generation and and age after age. His beings, his creation has rebelled against him and defied him. And he's fed up with it. But there is a group. It's the minority on the planet. But there's a group that willingly bows their knee and humbles themselves and submits themselves to the Lordship and the headship of Jesus and don't want to try to take over anything from him. Is happy to serve under him. Oh, hallelujah. Give him his place over you. Take your place under him and rejoice in it. And when he tells you something to do, do everything in your power to do exactly. Oh, somebody say exactly. 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 Think about it. When somebody talks about artwork, this is a faithful representation of this painting. What does that mean? It'd be hard to tell them apart, right? You look at one, and it looks just like the other. A faithful child of God is one who's doing and saying exactly what the Lord's directing you. Isn't that what the master himself said? I only say what I hear him say. I only do what I see him do. Jesus is the ultimate example of faithfulness. And he that humbled himself, even to the heart of the earth, has now been honored and raised all the way above all heavens and seated at the right hand of God. And those that follow him are seated with him. In closing, go to John, please. Gospel account of John. Thank you, Lord. Now you know, uh, where was it? In, in Philippians? At halfway through the chapter, Paul said, finally, brethren. <laughs> Don't get scared. Uh, John, what was it? The 20, it's the end of the book, 21st chapter. John 21, I want you to notice this. Say out loud while you're turning there, I am God's own handiwork, a one-of-a-kind signed masterpiece. Hallelujah. No, nobody's like me. Nobody's just like me. Nobody's just like you. So is it foolish to compare yourself with somebody else who's not the same as you, not grace the same? So we're going to stop that, right? We're going to stop the comparison. What we do compare ourselves to is how faithful we're being with what the Lord has given us. Focusing on our race. Focusing on being faithful with our grace. In John 21, after Jesus was raised from the dead, he spoke to Peter, you remember in verse 15, John 21, 15, he said, do you love me? And you remember he said, yes, you know I love you. He said, feed my lambs. Then he said, again, do you love me? He said, you know. He said, feed my sheep. and That's what happens when you feed lambs. The next, next verse, they're sheep. They grow up. <laughs> verse 17, then he said, do you love me? And he said, Lord, you know everything. You know I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. If you love the Lord, it's shown by you doing things. And helping his people. That's where love for God is shown the greatest. He said, Verily, verily, I say to you, when you were young, you girded yourself, you dressed yourself, and went where you would. But when you shall be old, you'll stretch forth your hands, another will gird you and carry you whether you would or not. We have uh, historical accounts that say that he was, you know, um, crucified. And- and carried where he would not at the end of his life. And the Lord's revealing some of these things to him. He spoke this signifying what, by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken to him, he said, verse 19, do you hear these words of the master? He said, follow me. Actually, if you look at Young's literal translation, it says, be following me. Said out loud, be following me. Say it again, be following me. me. Say it another time. Be Be following following me. me. And you can see why he said it the very next verse. Peter turned around and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved and that was the, John gave that title to himself (laughs) who leaned on his breast at supper and said, Lord, who's the one that betrays you? Peter saw him and said, well, Jesus, he said, Lord, what about him? What shall this man do? What's he doing? He he wants to compare what's going to happen to him with what's going to happen. This is his buddy. They're friends, they're fellow disciples, but John's always claiming how the Lord loves him, (laughs) which is a great idea. You should get a hold of that, right? I didn't say, you can say, I'm the one he loves. That doesn't mean he doesn't love anybody else, but you can't believe that for everybody else. You can believe it for yourself. Come on, say it out loud. I'm the one he loves. I'm the one he loves. loves. And you are. That is a true statement. Some people just believe it more than others and enjoy it more than others. And so I guess he knew John thought he's the master's favorite and he wasn't liking what he's hearing so much about how he's going to wind up his life. And he said, well, what about, you know, special boy here? I mean, is he? <laughs> and I want you to notice what the Lord didn't, didn't do. He didn't try to say, well, I'll be fair and I'll be equal. He didn't feel the need to try to explain himself at all. In fact, he made it worse. He said, well, if I want him to stay till I come back, what's that to you? (laughs) Now, why is it that there's all kind of things that interactions between Jesus and his disciples that's not recorded in the scriptures? We're told if everything Jesus said and did was recorded, the world itself couldn't couldn't hold the books. So this is one of many, many, many things that was said and done, but specially handpicked by the Holy Spirit for us to be talking about tonight in Texas, 2019. Why? To, to get insight into the Lord's mind and how He sees things and how He sees us and how He wants us to think. And when you start comparing yourself with other people, no matter how friendly. You may think you're doing it. The Lord wants you to stop it. He wants you to realize that what's happening with them, between Him and them, is none of your business. Do you see this or not? There's a whole lot of things that are none of your business. And you'll be so much happier when you realize that and you quit trying to keep up with their business and you stop trying to assess how well they're doing and how well I'm doing compared to how well they're doing because you have no you can't judge that you have no idea you don't know whether God gave them three or two or one how many did he give you you don't know what they see there's just so much you don't know you are not qualified to even assess the situation and are foolish when you try. Notice the last phrase. He said, "Uh, well, Lord, what what shall this man do? What about him? In verse 22, the Lord said to him, if I I will that he tarry or stays till I come. Now this is interesting because he didn't say he's going to stay. He said, what if I want him to? If I want him to stay till I come back. What is that to you? And again, the same phrase, be following me. Go somebody said out loud. Be following me. What do you and I need to be thinking about? Follow not me following him. Not how well you're doing following him. I can't follow him for you. I don't have your graces and your revelation. I, I don't know. I need to be following him and the better I follow him, the more help I'll be to you. The more blessing I'll be to you. The more you follow him, the more help you'll be to me. But if we're stopping checking each other's time all all the time, checking each other's results all the time, neither one of us are following him. We're just measuring ourselves among ourselves and comparing ourselves among themselves and that much themselves is just nauseating. Can you see that? Verse 23, then there went this saying abroad among the brethren that that disciple should not die. Now this is such a perfect example of people taking something the Lord said and turning it into something he didn't say. Because they said, oh, John's never going to die. He's never going to die. Did you hear what the Lord said? The Lord didn't say that. He said, what if I want him to stay? Big difference. He said, Jesus didn't say uh, he won't die, but if I want him to stay till I come, he said it again, what is that to you? I want you to help your neighbor out. Turn and tell him what's it to you? <laughs>